0: well good morning it is wonderful uh, and I genuinely mean that it is wonderful to see you all this morning Uh, it really is enjoying the cooler weather everybody that was complaining about how hot it was have you uh, thought that through now I mean it's starting to reassess that uh, at this point Uh. Uh, I, I love it. You guys know I love the fall. I'm excited to be here and, and get started this morning. So uh, we're going to start with a story. Can you guys handle a story this morning? Yes. I hope so. All right. On the evening uh, of February 17th, 2022, it's not been that long ago, uh, my lovely bride, Shanda, looked at me and recited those familiar lines uh, that we've been anticipating for months. I think it's time. Approximately 18 hours later, after intense pain and suffering, uh, really beyond anything my wife had encountered before, which is is really saying something because pregnancy has never uh, been particularly easy uh, for Shanda, uh, Shaw Levi Ratcliffe entered the world and rested in the loving arms of a very, very grateful mother. Uh, intense pain and suffering—they really don't do justice to the physical and emotional pain my wife battled for hours on end. And there was—I mean, seriously—there was a time that I did not even know that she would be here. All right, it was this. This was a pretty, a pretty rough one. Uh, but as I stood there watching her hold him close, seeing the joy the love, uh, the victorious glow that only a new mother can truly understand just radiating from every single pore of her battered body to the the praise and the glory of the Lord our God. I knew, uh, simple as I am, what even a, a fool can recognize in a moment like that. It was worth it. This was worth every bit of pain and suffering that was endured. And sure, for me, of course, us dads kind of get it easy on these types of things, but even more grandly, okay, especially despite the immensity of the suffering that she endured, this glorious moment and all the glorious moments that will follow with Mr. Shaw was worth every Ounce of pain and suffering for Shanda herself. Now, this provides for you and I a picture, a metaphor, a window into the deep spiritual reality that we find ourselves in as adopted sons and daughters of God. Paul writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That is, that just as the very real suffering my wife endured leading up to and culminating ultimately in the birth of our son is in no way comparable to the reward of holding him in her arms, of being able to raise him and watch him grow and mature into the man of God he was created to be. In the same way, the suffering we endure throughout our lives in this world is in no way comparable to the reward of standing in the presence of God glorified fully as his sons and daughters for all of eternity. What's more, it's not only that our future glory is worth whatever trials and tribulations that we encounter along the way, but discovering that there is even purpose in the hurt, purpose in the heartache, that even the most challenging battles that we face in our lives are in fact being used to produce good. Are you suffering this morning? Have you suffered in the past? Can you see it looming on the horizon out in front of you? Today's message is for you then. It is a message of hope in the face of hardship, of purpose in the face of pain, and of a God whose glory is and power, and worth, and love for us is unfathomably greater than anything we could ever imagine or dream. Are you ready for some good news this morning? I am. I, 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 know. <laughs> I know I am. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Now, if you'll remember last week, uh, John carried us through uh, Romans eight fifteen through 17, and this is, this is what God's word says. says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and that if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. And, and in this passage, we we get several little promises. One, that we, that is, all of us who are Christians, who have who have by grace through faith received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have received the Holy Spirit of God. What a beautiful gift. Our comforter, that's what Jesus would tell us. I'm sending a helper. We, we have received this helper. And that spirit testifies that we are God's adopted children. And what a beautiful gift that is, that we can be known as that. But as it just gets better, as children of God, then we are heirs with Christ. All right? What he receives, we receive. What a beautiful promise this is. And that we are receiving a glorious inheritance. That is eternity with Christ in perfection forever with the Lord our God. What a beautiful gift. But did you catch something in that passage? Uh, Again, we'll go back. Romans 8, 17. He gives us his great promises. Provided. Provided. We suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. That is, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, while He was here, on this earth, in that time, in history, in His physical form, He suffered. He suffered for you and I, and, and the Lord is told, look, we're, we're going to face some suffering. That leads us to our passage today, and we'll just jump right in. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 through 23 we will begin for I consider again Paul writes that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hopes that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. I didn't just like make up that in metaphor. I I totally stole that from scripture just for the record. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. So that's a mouthful, right? So we'll we'll, we'll break that down a little bit. And Paul begins by saying we have a future hope do you understand that, that we, that these momentary afflictions, that's the that's word, the things that we face right now do not compare to what's in the future. And man, that is, that is really, really great news to know that we, we have a future hope, that there is in fact a light at the end of the tunnel. That's really great to hear uh, when I'm going through suffering. As a matter of fact, when I hear foolish things like your best life now and and all these different prosperity things, what a discouraging thing to hear uh, that this is as good as it gets. What in the world? That is not the message that I need to know. All right? If this is as good as it gets, holy cow, this is what a terrible deal, right? No, we have a, a future hope and a future glory. And when you hear those foolish things, you can say, well, that's not what the book says. All right? That's not what the book says. The book says we have a future hope and a future glory. And then Paul, he just, did you, did you catch how, he just takes it for granted that we're going to suffer. That you and I as Christians, that, that not just that, oh, well, I became a Christian and now everything's going to be perfect. No. That is not what, he, he just takes it for granted that we are going to have a hard time in this life. When I look at the lives of the apostles, uh, when, I, when I consider Stephen, who sends this, preaches this great message of hope, and then is immediately stoned and killed. Peter, crucified, upside down. Paul, beheaded. John, <laughs> dipped in a, in a vial of boiling oil, and then exiled on the island of Patmos boy, I sure hope it's not the best life now, <laughs> right? Of course not. There's a there's a future, and Paul just he again he just he takes it for granted. But while he takes it for granted that you and I will go through hard times in this life, that that is what's going to happen. Just like the Lord our Savior had hard times in this life. Understand? He felt real pain. I mean, yes, he's he's all God and he's all man, and that's all kinds of amazing. But when the nails went into his hand, when his friend betrayed him, do you understand? he felt that that, that, that we can't avoid that. But what he says is the value of the pain, do you understand, the, the, what you get is far more valuable than the price that was paid. And that's good to know. That is good to know. And boy, some of us, man, when we face real, real tough suffering, okay. What is waiting, no matter how tough this is, what is waiting is worth it, man. And if I can get my head there, my goodness, man, there's just nothing that cannot be overcome. There is nothing. Paul also states in that passage, he says, it's not even just about us. He says, all, all of creation is suffering right now as a consequence of sin. Everything you can see. Do you know that stars die? I mean, you've got to understand, in this universe, there's death, and it applies. To, you know, I, I always love talking through apologetics, and I talk about that second law of entropy that makes uh, the foolishness of evolution just so incredibly obvious that literally everything that we can observe is going from complex to less complex. It's all dying. That's all observable, everything we can observe. That is, that is the truth. It's all breaking down. It's because of sin. Understand, it was not always like that. As a consequence of sin, there is death and decay, and all these things are beginning to fall apart. Not just us. I mean, we can all see that. I love my daughter looking at my beard. She goes, Dad, you got some white hair. (laughs) Yes, I do. It's going to keep getting whiter, baby. You know, I'm dying. Everything is falling apart, right? Uh, Right now. I don't know if you guys know this. You may look around the room and be like, man, there's some people that I don't see. That's happening in churches all over Missouri right now. And why? Well, where are they? Ah! That's not my trail cam. I mean, that guy is welcome to come see me tomorrow. I'd really like him to come see me tomorrow. That'd be great. All right? And, man, I'm excited. You guys know I'm a hillbilly. I like hunting and fishing and all that good stuff. I, I really do hope that guy shows up. You will see me on Facebook with a big smile and... It'll, it'll be great if he shows up. Uh, but the truth is, that hasn't always been. Death has not always been. Death came into creation for all things. Not just for us. For all of creation as a consequence of sin. And all, all, all of creation groans as it awaits freedom from sin and its consequences. All of creation. There's something in all of creation longing for that correction. I think about it all the time when, you you know, NASA's got all this cool stuff, man, and they look at stars, and they, they give you the noises that the stars make, and the noises that they hear when a star dies. And I, I, all of creation groans. It's longing for something different. And we look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. I want you to listen to this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den." They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There is a time of restoration in the future that is coming when what once was will be made new again, and there will be no death. Sorry, Lee, we will not be hunting in heaven, bro. I know that's weird, man, to think about, but it's true. Uh, as much as I love catching that largemouth bass or playing that crappie, that's not going to happen. Not going to need to happen there. There's no death. No death. And it's not just that all of creation groans. We. We ourselves, we groan inwardly as we await freedom from sin and its consequence. And, and boy, man, I was thinking about how do, I, how do I do that? Well, let me tell you, that mirror right there, whew. When I look in that mirror sometimes and I think, golly, man, seriously, bro? You couldn't be just a little more patient? with the kids, I mean, you know that woman, that woman loves you, you couldn't have been just a little more loving, what is wrong with you, Sean, what is wrong with you, and my heart just longs to be more like him, and less like me, less like that guy that doesn't always get it right, try as I might, I don't. I groan. My spirit groans. But Paul says there's hope. Romans 8, 24 through 25. In this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if, in other words, what I see in the mirror, I don't hope for that. I hope for a future that looks a little different than that. All right? The hope we don't we and we wait for it. With patience. Now, I love this. What we hope for? I do not. I will not. I cannot hope for a bottle of water to be sitting on this table right now. That's ridiculous. It's right there. I don't have to hope for that. I can see it. It's it's there. That that would that would be futile. That's not really hope, is it? When I look in the mirror, it's not there. I hope for what I can't see I hope for what I can't see Some of this language uh, you're probably like, man didn't it didn't seem like that long ago weren't we kind of talking about something like, well good, you're paying attention somebody has been paying attention to their notes because if we just look back just a little bit, Romans chapter five verse two through five, this is what Paul writes through him that is Christ Jesus, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, that one day we will be glorified like he is glorified. That, that, that I will no longer look in the mirror and see that guy. I'm going to see a brand new creation completely and totally transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. We hope for the glory of God. And not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Oh, there we go again. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isn't it funny how chapter five connects so good to chapter eight? It's reminding us, reminding us that, hey, I may look in the mirror today and don't get me wrong, man, there's some days looking good, man. We, we, we can have days like that. It's good. It's encouraging to have days like that. Not every day is like that. But it's good to know. It's great to know that we can trust that God is faithful and our promised glory It's promised to us by a God who, who never breaks a promise that that will one day be a reality. I mean, I may be forgiven for the consequences of my sin. That is awesome. But one day, man, I'm not just going to be free from the consequences. It isn't even going to be in me at all. And guess what? It's not going to be in you. And we're going to be together in heaven in a way that, man, we cannot understand what a relationship's going to be like. Because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. We don't even remotely understand perfection. But one day, we're actually going to be that together with Christ forever. Yay, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. I can't wait. This is going to be great. Looking forward to that. And, we, and God's going to do it. Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work with you, began it in you, He'll bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. We will be glorified. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. Now, Paul is going to do a transition. He's going to transition from our future glory, our future hope, to our present reality. Let me pick it up. Romans chapter 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Reminder that while, yes, we may be weak and we may be small in the, in the grand order of things, for some of us, you're like, no, I'm not. Yes, we are. All right. Yeah, and the Lord can show you real quick. You could be humbled, you could be sitting at home sick for a week again and again and again. It's great. Um, but weak as I am, the Spirit of God is inside of me. And there is a strength beyond anything in this world alive. Isaiah, back to Isaiah. Uh, I love when we're talking through hope. You know our our uh, out of the darkness talk with Rod Tappy, and he mentioned Isaiah and hope. And here we go again. Isaiah chapter forty, verses twenty eight through thirty one. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. I may faint or grow weary. He does not. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall be faint and weary, and young men shall fall exalted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That though we are weak, and my goodness, when real struggles come, we can all get there. We can all feel that. Everybody in this room, you've felt, you've been there. You know. But even there, God can empower me to keep going. It's a promise. It's exactly what he does every single time. But he doesn't just provide the strength to endure. But man, have you ever ever been going through a really, really hard time? And one of your friends, one of your family members, hopefully somebody in this building, walks up and says, hey man, can I pray for you? And they pray for you. And man, that's, you're like, man, that's, that's good. Thank you so much. That means so much to me that you took the time to pray for me. And did you catch what Paul is saying? The Holy Spirit of God, who lives inside of me, who knows every need, every thought, he knows it better than I know it, is interceding on my behalf, all of his own, do you understand? God is literally, he is acting in my heart. The Holy Spirit literally interceding and praying for me like that person that stops except better because he actually knows what I need. How awesome is that? God himself, not just with us, but working and moving and growing, speaking into our situation on our behalf. Paul transitions again. He goes from our present reality to God's divine providence. Romans 8, 28. My my two 12 kids will tell you, I almost go through this verse almost every week. Definitely every month, 50 times. And we know that for those who love God, all things not some things, not just the things that make me feel good, not just what I like, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now that phrase, and we know, it isn't, you know, there's been some times where I've been like, Paul takes it for granted that everybody's going to know. This isn't that phrase. That's not what he's saying is that well, we just take it for granted and we know. No, 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 no. And we know is this, this Greek word, i do and it means we can be sure there is certainty absolute 100% certainty that we can know that God is working every single thing in our lives somehow some way even when we don't understand it especially when we don't understand it for good for those of us who are called according, for, for the children of God. Everything. Now, it got me to thinking back to our, our metaphor of pregnancy and, and child growing, and, and I, I remember this great sermon, a pastor named Louis Giglio, uh, pretty famous sermon, How, How Great Is Our God. You know, if you've ever ever seen, a, uh, this is a golf ball and you're on it. You, you know what I, you, those that have seen it are smiling because you're like, that is a great message. That's a good one. It is fantastic. I highly recommend listening to it. Louis Giglow is a great speaker and that is an awesome, awesome message. Over the course of his message, he gives a picture of development, okay, of what's going on at five months in the womb. Of a pregnant woman and and I'll just I'll, I'll read the quote a million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain headed for a million optic nerves that had left your eye so you can kind of picture this travel a million different endings right uh, and they had to meet and match their exact partner one million looking for one Million. And when they found the exact partner out of a million and they matched up together at five months in the womb, in that instant, you had sight. In that instant, for the very first time, that baby can see. It's amazing. But here's what's amazing. I I want you to catch it. At that moment, at five months of pregnancy, and this miraculous thing, and there is nothing more complicated than a human eye. That is an amazing thing that God has done, and this amazing process that's taking place. And what mom is probably feeling is crazy. (laughs) Because her hormones are doing all of these terrible things, it seems like, to her. She's in pain. She's uncomfortable. She's hot. She's cold. Hopefully she's not still sick at five months, but it's possible. There's all these things happening to her body, and it seems completely out of control. But what I want you to get is in spite of all these things that on the outside to her are terrible things, God is doing a miraculous thing on the inside. it's amazing it's absolutely amazing and it's not just there i mean i can i can go back to our metaphor but man when i look at scripture we did a, a study faces in the crown we it was kind of a character study through the bible and we spent a long time talking about this guy named joseph you want to talk about a raw deal good kid Really, I mean, I know some people spin him as a brat. I don't know if I go that far. I mean, I think he's just a good kid trying to do right for his dad. Brothers don't like him. Throw him in a pit, sell him as a slave. Goes, does a good job, works hard as a slave, and earns some respect. I'm sure that's not an easy thing to do. Gets falsely accused of rape and in prison and i can promise you that human nature has not changed and just like it's not a good thing today to go to prison to be a rapist it wasn't a good thing then to go to prison as a rapist and as sure as heck what happened to joseph and then joseph gets forgotten in prison after he helps some guys out but eventually something amazing happens through an extraordinary set of events and an amazing skills that God has had blessed Joseph with. Joseph finds himself second, and I say that loosely, under Pharaoh. I mean, he was by all practical means. He was Pharaoh in the land. He ran things. Pharaoh got to sit back and not really do much because Joseph was so trusted that he affairs in the country and through this famine and all this crazy stuff his, his, these same brothers will come to him and he will end up providing for his family which will eventually become Israel and during the course of this his, his father will die and his brothers will look up thinking uh, Joseph's been pretty nice to us because dad was here and now that dad's gone we're in big trouble because of all the terrible things that we did to Joseph and all the pain that Joseph had to endure. And they throw themselves at the feet of Joseph. And we pick it up, Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. And Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil for me. So Joseph doesn't like wash it out and be like, Oh, it's no big deal. No, no, no. All right, this hurt, this stunk, You meant it, you you meant to do bad to me, and it hurt, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That all that suffering served a purpose. We see it again in the life of Esther, Esther's uh, drawn into the court, she gets this uh, privileged uh, position uh, with the king, and he he really likes her. And, and uh, the Jews are, are going to get exterminated. That's the that's the, the, the political play that is taking place kind of behind the scenes. And Esther's uncle Mordecai basically says, "Look, you need to go talk to the king." And the deal is, if I if she goes and talks to the king, she's risking her life. All right, she she could she could be killed immediately. And she's wrestling through what I should do and, and trying to figure that out. And, and she says, I don't know, you know. I'm scared here. Don't you know I could die? And Mordecai responds. He says, you told him to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you're going to escape any more than all the other Jews. In other words, you're Jewish. They're killing all the Jews. You're going to die too. Don't think you won't. And if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? Rather, you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, I know this is scary. I know what you're saying is true, that you're risking, but do you understand? There's purpose here. God puts you in this position for a reason. For a reason. Don't be scared. Embrace it. Look for the reason. It's amazing. You and I, this verse, well, we, can, we can be sure that God is genuinely using all things, everything, to accomplish his purpose in his children. Which leads to the next question, the obvious question then. What's his purpose, right? What is this purpose? Romans 8, 29 through 30 For those he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what is God's purpose for his children? A purpose that existed from eternity past. Before we were even here, he had this purpose. For his children, one that we would be sanctified, that is, that we would be becoming more and more like Jesus as we grow in our faith. We're being transformed, is what Scripture says, conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That is, that guy that I look in the mirror and see, guess what? He looks a lot different than he did 10 years ago. 20 years ago, all of us can celebrate that. Uh, you can celebrate it for me, but you can look in the mirror and Lord, Lord is doing stuff in your life. He is changing you. He is making you more like him. And man, what a wonderful gift. Not just that the Lord would save us, but then he would make us like him. He's awesome. Are you kidding? I mean, even people that, that refuse to believe the Bible, they love Jesus, okay? You understand? They like them some Jesus. Because he's awesome. He's everything we do want to be. And man, he is, there's a process taking place in our hearts day by day, little by little. Some of us take a lot longer than others. (laughs) But he's sanding and he's molding and he's making us like him. We are justified, that is, we are declared righteous and free from the consequences of sin, from the penalty. But more than that, we will be glorified. And I love it. It's all in the past tense. From his perspective, he's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's, he's, he's back there. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere and every when all at once. It's a great big God, man. It's hard to wrap your minds around. But we will be glorified. That is freed entirely, not just from the consequence, from the penalty. But one day, you and I will stand in the presence of God, completely transformed into his, that we would be free from sin. Inside. Not just outside. Inside. Can't wait. I cannot wait. Cannot wait, man. That I'm looking forward to. So what's the point? What is the point? Why in the world... Does all this matter to me? Well, I'll give you the, the sky-high view, right? Lesson one, there is purpose in suffering for Christians. All right? And quite frankly, I'm grateful to hear that because, man, if there was no purpose, I mean, have any you ever thought that? Why am I going, no, no, there is purpose. Somehow, some way. we may not always see the answer, but there is Purpose. God is doing stuff in me. God is doing stuff through me. He's doing stuff in you and through you through these circumstances. We see it in scripture. Man, we can see it. Just look around. And sometimes maybe we don't see, but that doesn't change that it's true. Two, Christian suffering produces Christ-like character. All right? He is, he, again, he is doing stuff inside of us. And this last one, this is another tough one. Christian suffering glorifies God. It actually glorifies God. Now, I think about when we, a lot of times when we talk through uh, the topic of suffering, uh, a lot of people will be like, oh, you've got to read the book of Job. Rightfully so. There's, there's a reason that we talk about this guy, Job. Now, Job was a, a very wealthy man. He had a very good life. And we get this weird picture. We only get this picture twice in Scripture. But we get this picture where the devil strolls up to God and basically says, uh, look at how terrible all these human beings are. God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And then the devil basically looks and says, Seriously? I'm sure that guy praises you, God. I mean, look at all the good stuff you have done for him and all the things that he has. Of course, he praises you. If he didn't have that stuff, he would not. God says, Oh, yeah? I'll tell you what. Can't take his life, but you can take away some stuff, and we'll just see exactly where Job is at. Loses his kids, loses his livestock. Loses a bunch of property, as far as stuff burning down, all kinds of crazy stuff, loses his health. And uh, we pick it up, Job chapter two, verse nine through 10. His wife said to him, "Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die." But he said to her, "You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God?" And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And, man, I know that's a, that's a tough thing to kind of wrestle through those thoughts. But here's what I love about this picture. You know, here's the devil strolling up. I told you, that, that guy is not gonna pray. Job's still trusting God in spite of the circumstances. And man... It is like the uppercut punch. Like you think you know something? Bam! Done. I mean, just just done, devil. You don't know what you're talking about. And quite frankly, uh, whatever, man. A lot of you guys know I was a soldier, right? That that guy's still there. And man, when I'm going through hard times, when I'm sitting at home last week sick, or, or watching my the worst part for us was it wasn't even like everybody in my house got sick. Little eight-month-old Shaw is moaning in pain the same way I'm moaning in pain, and Shanda's moaning in pain. And, I mean, I'm thinking through this first and all I can think is, God, I know you're working all things for good, even if I don't understand it. And what I like to think is, devil, take that! You know what I'm saying? Or knock you out! I will praise God no matter what the circumstances are. And, man, there's a little bit of that fight still left in me, and, man, I, I like that. Take that! Take that. I will still praise God in the midst of this storm. Job did it, man. I'm going to do it. And if you think about it, the light always, always shines bright in the darkness. And man, yes, we're going to praise God for the good times. We're going to praise God for the good things. But man, when we are going through the hardest times in life and we still say, Lord God, I trust you and you are worth it, he is glorified. Do you understand that light shines bright in all of creation. 2 Corinthians 4:17 through 18 For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to things that are unseen for the things are seen or transient. They are temporary. They do not last. But the things that are unseen are eternal. There is a hope, there is purpose beyond what I can see. And I can trust God to lead me there. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, Sean. You think you know about suffering. You don't know about my suffering. It's true. You know, you got to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You get to, to hold your baby and watch him grow. And that is, that is true with Shaw. That wasn't, that wasn't the case for Madison. Yes, I've had the blessing of seeing God perform a genuine, genuine miraculous healing after seeing my friend suffer through debilitating health condition for years, three and a half years. I've seen that miracle. But I've also seen that same friend and his family forced to wrestle with knowing that God can bring that healing. But... In the case of one of their children, he has not, and he may not. I've seen friends celebrate remission and never look back. I've watched my buddy Garrett suffer from brain cancer for 18 years. 18 years. Never, uh, no relief from the daily physical pain of his existence here, nor has he been called home to be free from sickness. I've seen him suffer. I've also seen him shine. I've seen God do amazing things through terrible situations and thought, wow, Lord, I see what you did there. I can see it. And I felt the searing pain and hollowness as I asked why Lord I cannot understand how this is supposed to be worked out for good I know you say that's true but I just don't understand how I think about Adam Beery that we lost last March I don't I don't have that answer Truth is, we live in a broken world as a result of the curse of sin. And suffering isn't just a possibility, it's a certainty until the day the Lord returns triumphantly to make all things new. And he is. And he will. Don't get me wrong. I don't know a single person who isn't exponentially more blessed in this life now let alone what's promised ahead than the suffering we face like mark said this morning i double dog dare you i triple dog dare you guys every single person this week i don't care who you are get down on your knees and just say i make a commitment i am going to thank god for everything in my life and uh, when the challenge was issued to me they said pray an hour and i said you're crazy but I tried it. I was bold enough to try it, and I'm encouraging you to try it. You'd be amazed at how fast that hour goes by. We have lots of reasons, lots of reasons to praise God, but that's not the point. Suffering is coming, and what I really need to know when it does is that I'm not alone, that someone cares, that someone understands, that there is hope somewhere, that I am loved, that there is something, some kind of purpose or point to all of this. That there is a God who loves me, a God who is in control, and a God that I can trust even when I don't understand We just began a study in the book of Philippians with the teens on Wednesday nights. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about this particular study. And one of those reasons for me is that one of our amazing young people, uh, Eli Shields, he's going to be preaching his first sermon towards the end of the series on Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. I want you to hear the words of the Lord our God once again speaking through the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace Will be with you. We are told to rejoice, to look at our lives for reasons to praise God. We're we're actually called to make that list. And to pray rather than worry, reaching out to God when we are struggling with a promise that the peace of God, a peace beyond human understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. Then we are told to focus on what's true and and what's honorable and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, to apply those truths to our situations with the promise that God himself will be with us, that he's with us. When suffering comes, and it will, I can't dwell on the circumstances, nor can I fixate on my feelings, allowing them to control me in a way that's not healthy for me. Now, notice I didn't say deny my circumstances or deny my feelings. I just can't make them the foundation on which my life is built as if I do, there can be no doubt that depression, anxiety, and despair are only going to compound whatever it is I'm facing. No, Christians, when suffering comes, we seek the Lord and our foundation, the truth on which our souls must rest is that the Lord loves us that he is with us and that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. That for those who love God, all things, even these things, all things are working together for good. It is those truths that bring peace, real peace, The kind of peace that can only come when God himself is with us, in us, and in his rightful place as Lord in our hearts. There is hope, there is peace, and yes, there is even purpose in the face of suffering in Jesus Christ. And that is really, really great news. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a day. We get to celebrate Thanksgiving together as a church family, Lord. And I am thankful for each and every person in this room, thankful for the the ways you have have bonded us together. We really are. This is a great church, and it's it's amazing the family that you have built here. Lord, we are grateful for you. Father, we are, are grateful for all our blessings. But, Father, in a world that is broken, waiting that restoration, groaning. Lord, we are grateful that even as we navigate the hard times in our life, even then you are working all things for good. Lord, that the, on the mountaintop, you're with me. In the deepest, darkest valley, you're not only with me, and you're not only worth it, but you are literally using these things for good, even when I can't see it or understand it any more than I can see what's happening on the inside of, a, in the, of the womb at those moments when my wife is struggling, Lord. Can't see it, but sure enough, you're doing good. Father, help us to rest on that truth and to see your beauty, to see your worth, to see your glory in everything that we encounter in life, to see your fingerprints everywhere leading us and growing us. Thank you so much for this day and each and every breath, each and every moment we get each day.